Good morning. Can you hear me? Buenos dias. For those of you who uh, have not seen me before, uh, my name is Andres Arraez. I'm one of the uh, elders of Perimeter, and um, I'm licensed to preach, and James has me over here once in a while, so it's good to be, good to be with you again. So let me pray for us this morning. Father, I need you. May the words of my mouth, the med- meditations of my heart, be acceptable unto you, our God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. There is something about a person being on trial. Um, the more um, famous the person, or the greater the offense, uh, more people end up watching and following, trying to figure out what is going on. And uh, if you really think about it, uh, the death of Jesus uh, back in the first century uh, could have been considered a celebrity trial. Here he was, you know, healing the sick, raising the dead, you know, preaching about love and compassion, you know, opposing the religious leaders of the day, claiming that he was the Son of God. You know. Even some people thought that he probably was the Messiah who was going to set them free from the Romans. And here he is, hanging on the cross. However, while it was a curiosity for some, uh, the death of Jesus on the cross uh, was a unique trial, totally different in all history. Why? Because the death of Jesus on the cross has eternal significance for every human being that has existed and will ever exist. Therefore, it is incumbent upon every person upon every one of us here, everyone watching online, that we wrestle with the meaning of Jesus' death on the cross. And in order to help us with that, today we're going to see what was the reason, the result, and the response to Jesus' death on the cross. Esta mañana vamos a ver la razón El resultado y la respuesta a la muerte de Jesucristo en la cruz. So let's read Mark 15, 21 to 41. Here we go. And they compel a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour, which is about nine in the morning, when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. 
and with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha! You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from that cross. So also the chief priests with his cries mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross so that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when it was the sixth hour, that's about noon, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, 3 p.m. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who stood facing him, saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James the younger, and of Joseph, and Salome, when he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. When people are faced with the death of Jesus, uh, we respond many different ways. Just like people in that day responded. Uh, the chief priests and the scribes, you know, they mocked him. They thought themselves justified in not believing and, not, and rejecting Jesus because here he was crucified as a cursed man rejected by God. Then we have the soldiers. They were just indifferent. You know, that, that to them, it was entertainment. They had crucify hundreds of people and you know, he was one more Jew who cares and then initially we have the thieves and both of them were mocking him they were just wanting him <laughs> to release him from their pain and from the consequences of their actions but then we have something that Mark doesn't tell us but Luke tells us one of them after mocking him, saw his sin, saw who Jesus really was, and he saw him as he truly was, and repented. And then we have the women. They were long-time followers of Jesus, and they not only spent time with him, they also gave their financial resources. And they were probably wondering, 
what happened? What's next? Was my faith misplaced? How about us? Some of us may have heard and read this portion so many times that when we read it, it just doesn't produce anything in us. Some others are thankful that Jesus' death means that our sins were placed on him and now we can receive forgiveness. Others are also thankful because of what Jesus did, but we still have in the back of our minds that thought, why did Jesus have to die? Couldn't God come up with a different way to save his people rather than using this atrocious cross? And you may have friends, family members, co-workers who reject Christianity precisely because of the cross. They say, what? What type of God is this? I don't want to follow that requires a blood sacrifice for me to be with him. That's barbaric. But however, whatever your response to the cross, the cross is essential to Christianity. No cross, no Christianity. And Jesus, right before he was taken by the soldiers, said the following, John 12, 27 and 28. Now is my soul trouble. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. So dying on the cross was Jesus' purpose in becoming man. So you may say, okay, I accept that Jesus believed that it was his purpose to come and die on the cross. But why? Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? ¿Por qué tuvo que morir Cristo en la cruz? What is the reason that Jesus died in the cross? ¿Cuál es la razón por la cual Cristo tuvo que morir en la cruz? And we see, we have a God so kind and merciful and loving that he prepared the whole world through the nation of Israel to help us understand why Jesus had to die. God gave Israel the sacrificial system to help them take care of the, their sin, to show them how they could resolve their sin situation and how they can be in his presence. And what the sacrificial system simply was is that we were supposed to take, they were supposed to take an animal, you know, a bull, a lamb, a goat, place their hands on them, signifying that our sins, the sins of uh, the Israelites were being placed on that animal, 
and then you were supposed to slaughter that animal. There has to be shedding of blood because blood meant the life of the person. So that sacrificial system pointed to Jesus. Jesus was the Lamb of God who shed his blood for his people. The main difference was while the Lamb was just a symbol of the cleansing and the substitution of sin, Jesus was the real and final substitute for the sins of his people. And okay, you may think, all right, Andres, that's fine. Jesus, God was so kind that he gave us the sacrificial system <laughs> so that we can see what that meant, you know, for Jesus dying for us. But why? Why a sacrifice at all? Why did an animal have to die? Because God is holy. And most of us have a really, really hard time embracing this fact. We are not around <laughs> holiness. It is hard for us broken, fallen, created human beings to grasp what holiness is. Holiness is a foreign concept to us. When we hear God is holy, our minds go blank. We cannot picture what holiness is. There is no one around that comes even close to holiness. Therefore, we don't understand it, and we end up rejecting it. However, God, in his kindness and desire to reveal himself to us, reveal himself to one man in a vision in his holiness, so that we can get a little glimpse of what holiness looks like. So let's read Isaiah Chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I'm lost for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. God's holiness caused the 
seraphim to cover their faces. They couldn't see God. And Isaiah, when he saw his holiness, he declared a curse on himself when he said, woe is me. When he saw God's holiness, God's holiness exposed his sin. For the first time in Isaiah's life, he saw his sin as God sees it. And he declared, I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. And Joseph with Isaiah, only you and I are revealed the holiness of God, only if he chooses to give us a glimpse of his holiness, we will never, ever be able to see the magnitude and the depth of our sin. And until we see our sin in the lights of God's holiness, we will never, ever be able to agree with God That eternal separation from him is the appropriate and just punishment for us. It's the appropriate and just punishment for ignoring, rebelling, offending, and betraying our Creator. So if any human being is ever going to be in God's presence, there has to be a death to cover our sins before God. So the reason for Jesus' death on the cross was God's holiness and justice. La razón por la muerte de Jesús en la cruz fue la santidad y la justicia de Dios. Now, what is the result then? We read in verse 34. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was not confused. He, he didn't know where God was. He knew exactly what was going on. But the human nature of Jesus experienced an intimacy with God that no one ever in the history of the world has ever experienced. And he was at, with that cry, at that moment, that intimacy was broken. Jesus' human nature experienced total separation from God at that moment. And you and I may have lost people 
who were dear and near to us. That pain and that grief does not come even close to what Jesus felt at that moment with that cry. That cry was the reason why Jesus in Gethsemane told his disciples, I am very sorrowful even to death. That cry was the reason why when Jesus was praying to the Father in Gethsemane, his sweat was like great drops of blood falling to the ground. That cry was the reason why Jesus' human nature in Gethsemane asked the Father if there was any other way for his justice to be satisfied and for his love to be in display. And if you are a follower of Christ this morning, that cry was the moment that your sin and my sin were laid on him. That moment was when Jesus experienced hell for you and for me. In verse 37 and 38, we read, And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. And junk and look tell us what the, that loud cry was. It is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. The infinite debt that we owed God was paid in full. And the eternal punishment that our sins deserve was fully, completely satisfied. the riches and the depth of his wisdom and knowledge. How inscrutable, how wonderful, how amazing are his judgment and his ways. So if that is a result of Jesus' death, what should be what it is? Our response and our response to the meaning of the cross is going to be determined by how, whether we embraced or not, a fact that every cell in our body hates and our society denies. We are sinners. Every single person that has ever lived and will ever live has chosen to sin. That is, we have chosen 
to have created things being the source of meaning and satisfaction in our lives rather than the Creator. We have chosen power, fame, money, control, wealth, you name it, rather than the Creator to satisfy our deepest needs. We do not want to hear that we're sinners. So when society tells us that there is no such thing like sin, we embrace it. We are told that our behavior is determined by our genes, by our environment, by our psychological traumas. That we're not fully responsible for our actions. We love that. We'll want to be free to be and to do whatever we want to be and do. We don't think that we deserve punishment. And our society tells us that talking about sin is oppressive and hurtful. Therefore, any sin talk needs to be suppressed and canceled. However, we are a schizophrenic society. We, com- we are full of conflicts every single day. While we claim that there is no such thing as sin and that hell is something barbaric and primitive, when we see women being abused, sexually abused at their workplace, we cry out for justice and punishment and therefore springing up the Me Too movement. When we see police abuse, we go out to the, in the streets and demonstrate crying out for justice. So what is it? Are we free to be and do whatever we want to abuse anyone we want or not? Should we seek for justice when sinful actions are committed? Do people deserve the just punishment for their sin and their wrongful actions or not? Is a holy God just in giving us human the sentence of eternal separation for him for offending him, ignoring, rebelling, and betraying him? Yes, he is. And do you want to hear a secret? Each and every single one of us knows deep within that that sentence from God is right. Because we all know that we have rebelled against God. And the thing is, is that we are very good in hiding that. 
And some of us are better than others. And some of us have suppressed it for so long that we don't even feel that we're broken at all. But the Bible, speaking to every single human being on earth, puts it this way. Romans 1, 18 to 23. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived since ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So I ask again, what is our response to Jesus' death on the cross? Are we going to respond like those religious leaders who just wanted to continue to find excuses to worship their own idols of power, fame, wealth, control? Or are we going to acknowledge that he's a rightful ruler? Bend our knee before him and follow him. Or are we going to be like one of the thieves on the cross that just saw Jesus as a means to an end? That when things didn't go the way we wanted, we stopped giving lip service to Jesus and pointed our fingers at him just because we thought that he owed us a nice comfortable life or are we going to be like the soldiers who just don't care we just ignore Jesus and we just don't want to accept that, that we're sinners in need of a savior we may are we going to continue to follow our passions and desires, hoping that someday we'll find satisfaction in our lives. Or perhaps you are like the centurion that when he saw Jesus' actions on the cross, his eyes were open and he acknowledged that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. 
If that is you, here or online, please, please respond by repenting of your sins, repenting for ignoring Him and rebelling against Him all your life, and just choose to follow Him even this morning. Or perhaps you have been a long-time follower of Jesus. And today, you have seen God's holiness and justice in a deeper way than you have seen it before. Perhaps you have grasped the length to which Jesus, to which God, the Trinity, went to maintain his justice upheld his holiness and still at the same time make a way for you to be with him for all eternity and enjoy his presence. Now the cross looks bigger and more beautiful than ever before. You're overwhelmed. You're overwhelmed with his love. And the only response that you want to have is Jesus. Give me the grace that I need to deny myself. Pick up my cross. Continue to follow you faithfully for the rest of my life. Let's pray. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see. What a wonderful cross. Bids me come and die that I may truly live. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Father, Open our eyes.